welcome to Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. I'm your host, Tom Masters, and our guest today is Jeff Frankert. He served as a physical therapist and the chief of chronic pain physical therapy at Landstuhl Regional Medical Center, a U.S. Army hospital in Germany from 2010 to 2018. While there, he established a triage system to quickly evaluate and treat several hundred troops a week. The three-week program required no equipment and could be done one-on-one or in groups. After 30 years of service, Jeff retired and founded the Fix PT, a physical therapy clinic he operates with his wife, Carla. His focus is helping clients reduce chronic pain and narcotic use and improve their mental outlook. He has personally treated more than 50,000 patients during his 25-year career. Welcome. Thank you, Tom. And we are excited about having um, Jeff Frankhart on the show today. And he has an extraordinarily unique perspective on chronic pain, opioids, um, PTSD, the military. And he is a physical therapist. And he has a very deep experience both in opioids and rehab in the military. Now started a private practice in Florida. So, Jeff, um, welcome to the show. And if you would Thank you, Dr. Hanscom. If you wouldn't mind introducing yourself, that would be great. Okay. My name is Jeff Frankard. I've been a physical therapist since 1996. I've been in the military since 1989. And during that time frame, I've treated over 50,000 patients. From 2000 till 2021, I was in support of the combat operations, 12 years overseas in direct combat support, two years in in Turkey during the launch of the war under hazardous duty uh, situation, and then 10 years at Launchstool Regional Medical Center, which was the largest uh, trauma one uh, medical center outside of the United States in the military structure. So in that time frame, I spent the first two years from 2010 to 2012 returning combat soldiers to uh, the war theater. So we were receiving about 600 wounded a week. And my job was in three weeks, I had to determine who could go back into combat with or without pain, as long as they could jump out of a Humvee and engage the enemy with full battle rattle without the fear of their injury giving out, not so much without pain. And then as that war wound, as the war started to wind down 2012, I then went into a chronic pain program, which was a a congressionally mandated initiative, and there were eight centers throughout the world in the military who were uh, all put together with interventional pain doctors, chiropractors, physical therapists, massage therapists, uh, acupuncturists, um, occupational therapists. We were all thrown together on a team to try and crack the code to treat chronic pain and then reduce narcotic use because we were great at saving soldiers but we were getting them addicted to narcotics in the process, but we still needed to retain their assets and return them to war. So we had to find a way to get them off the opioids so we could actually use them um, to help complete our mission. And then I, as the wars wound down, 2021, I finally retired and moved to Florida, to the Jupiter area in Palm Beach County. And 
then I opened up a physical therapy clinic called The Fix. PT. So um, there's a bunch of layers to this conversation with them. Assuming I have to ask, ask an obvious question, which, which I've always wondered about. I was, you know, as North Peak surgeon, we, we spent time at Tripler Medical Center in Hawaii and dealt with injured mm -hmm. soldiers, but I wasn't seeing them acutely. So I'm guessing you saw some really bad injuries on a regular basis. Am I, you're, you're almost on the front lines as far as receiving these soldiers into your care, right? That's correct. So I've well, always wondered, this is a tough call. So you're a physical therapist, a person's wounded in action. And to me, if you're wounded enough to actually end up being airlifted or sent to a medical center, um, it's going to be a tough call to say you're healthy enough to go back into battle. I'm not sure I would want to do that. How do you do that? Um, it's, it becomes when you're, in, the, when you're in, in theater, when your mindset is all about saving those, it's actually pretty easy because you don't think about it. You, but you don't want to. You don't want to send someone into combat who's not ready for combat. Right. So the 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 uh, triaging system I had to create was a way to actually try and break them safely when they were in Germany. So here's what happens: if someone gets blown up in Afghanistan, or if they got blown up in Iraq, or if they were in a combat operation in Africa, they would get to Germany within 24 to 72 hours. And within that time frame, when they hit the ground, if they were traumatic, say an amputation or a traumatic train, you know, a traumatic brain injury that was so severe they were in a coma, then we just stabilized them. And then we would put them onto another air transport and send them back to the United States. So the extreme trauma, no question, stabilize, resect as much as we ne uh, was necessary from the amputation, get them up and moving and then get them back to the United States for rehab. Now, not every one of those 100 injured we would get a day because we were getting 600 a week, give or take for five, about five years. Um, during that time frame, they uh, weren't sorry, stop, all, sorry, just for a second, you were getting 600 wounded people a day? I mean, a week? No, a week. That's a lot of people. Yeah, it was like an anthill. We would have about two planes coming in a day and two planes going out a day. I mean, I don't want to get into politics at all today, but I gotta say, I mean, we're talking about in Afghanistan, we didn't lose a lot of lives, but we don't talk about yeah. a lot of the wounded. Oh, yeah, we had a lot of wounded. Right. Okay. Just asking. Okay. So person comes in, pretty severe injuries. So from your role, if they were severe, obviously they went back to the States, done. Then you had a bunch of people who were wounded enough, they probably couldn't go back into combat. Then some people were not that physically wounded, but could go back into combat. But again, we're talking about chronic pain here. So what mm -hmm. I found out to me years to figure this out, that if a person was in a situation where they were injured on the job, for instance, or some situation where pretty bad injury, not deforming necessarily, but you know, pretty traumatic, mentally to get them back onto the job is pretty tough. And I just have to tell you one extreme example of this electrician who, I'm sorry, he didn't, an air conditioning person who was in the vents, you know, putting seams together and somehow got electrocuted okay. and survived. And of course, they want to get him back on the job in those vents again. I mean, would you go back in those vents again? Not me. Um, <laughs> I mean, seriously. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm just saying in general, that's a big problem in workers' comp. Get injured on the job. The situation probably hasn't changed that much as far as the circumstances that caused the problem. And of course, battle is a big deal. Now you're wounded, even a little bit. 
again, with chronic pain, we know it's a neurological disorder. I, I just like to talk about the physical part of the saying, okay, you're wounded, you're, you're now healing pretty quickly, and you're told to go back to battle, or you can go back to battle. Are these guys wanting to go back to battle, or did you, did, you must have had to deal with the mental stuff right then and there quite a bit of the Absolutely. time. Absolutely. Absolutely. But here's the thing. They all wanted to go back to battle. They Remember, did. we're all volunteers. You know, this is not a draft environment. So I actually had, for example, when you have an acute patient and a chronic patient, the treatment I found is actually the same. So there's three components to pain, right? You have a bio, you have a psycho and a social. I didn't understand that. That was all just words. And I didn't think as a therapist before I went, you know, in 2010, how to deal with this. But I was able to break it down because I had, you know, 30,000 treatments. I would see 90 guys in three hours, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, with no assistance, trying and triaging them, trying to figure out who could go back. So with that large volume, I was able to figure out what biopsychosocial truly is. So biological, that is the, the let me see, bio is your nerve impulse, okay? So that is your pain threshold. The physical pain. Correct. The psycho I mean, Just to state the obvious, to, it's obviously, but just the audience, remember pain is just interpreting signals from your body. In other words, without a nervous system, you don't have pain. So your body's you know, looking at vision, sound, touch, feel, hot, cold, and interpreting all those signals as safe or dangerous. And when they're dangerous, your body goes, anxiety or reaction so again pain is the end result of a bunch of signals coming in that are unpleasant and a lot of those can be mental signals right that's the, the psycho because then you have pain tolerance so the psycho is pain tolerance pain tolerance is based off of your experiences what you've experienced in pain so when it comes to tolerance our special forces and military are trained to raise their tolerance for pain so special forces, they'll go through prisoner war training where they're beaten physically and psychologically, prepping them for prisoner war training to survive. And when they go through it, they come out with this huge tolerance of pain because they can survive the, you know, the experience. Likewise, a woman who gets pregnant and gives birth, they go over nine months of a physical increase in tolerance because their bodies change, there's a load, then they go through the experience of giving birth painful experience and then they have a beautiful blessing at the end so now at the end they have a higher tolerance for pain so the experience is tolerance and then the psycho that's the you know, that's the psycho now the social that's pain training that's how society trains us to to uh work with pain could be from the media saying if you have pain you should get a medication if you have pain, you should get an injection. If you have pain, that is so unnatural, you need to have surgery. That's how we're socially being trained. But if you think about it from how you're trained as a child, like my first experience being trained by my grandfather, who was a farmer, was I was seven years old. He got up in the morning. He's a, he was putting on this big corset, leather corset. And I'm like, Grandpa, because we just watched the Gladiator movie the night before, Spartacus, the old, back in 77. And I'm grandpa, are you a, a gladiator? And he's like, no. I'm like, what are you putting on? He goes, this is a brace for my back. I'm like, why? He goes, I've got three breaks in my back. It's broken in three places. I'm like, isn't that going to hurt? Why are you doing that? And he's like, because son, no one else is going to pay my bills. And he put on his corset, jumped on the tractor and did his job. 
So that was my social training. You know what? You have pain. You're not dead. Move. Pay the bills. Do your job. So that's how I was socially trained. So you have the bio, which is your nerve impulse of fight or flight, danger, withdrawal. Psycho, your pain tolerance. That's your, ex your experience with pain. And then the, uh, the social is your pain training. So it's threshold, tolerance, and training. So I treat like, all three like at once. To, I'd like to unpack this for a second because this is really critical, I think, mostly to the medical profession, but also to patients. So you have the bile, the actual structural tissue damage, whatever it is. You've got the pain tolerance factor, and then you have your um, training. So the thing is where in medicine, which I think is really tragic now, is that there's always this thing in medicine that if somebody's up in chronic pain, they just can't tolerate pain. They have a low pain tolerance and they're, and they're sort of whips. And that's actually more prevalent than you can ever imagine. I mean, you know this. And mm -hmm. the problem is that doctors treat patients like that. The patients feel labeled, which makes their pain worse because they're upset. Because as you know, chronic pain is an inflammatory disorder and fear the pain and feeling labeled and trapped makes things way worse. So you get a vicious cycle going. But some people just their, their nervous systems, if they have an abusive childhood, all sorts of other things going on, they actually can't even learn to train themselves to tolerate the pain. In other words, there's a capacity that's there or that's not. And just because if you're that particular person who doesn't have the capacity to tolerate pain, doesn't mean you're a bad person, doesn't mean you're a malingerer. And so I want to unpack this in two parts. So my question is, and I've been fascinated with this myself, is that Let's say the person is fairly emotionally resilient and you're saying that in training they actually are physically put through tribulation enough they actually learn to increase their pain tolerance did i hear that correctly correct. that's correct a little bit or quite a bit a uh, huge amount for for example uh i had a six foot two buddy of mine uh was put into a 55 gallon drum with water up to this high and they poked holes in the top and he had to breathe this much, you know, maybe two inches of breathing area. And he was, that cap was put on him for five hours. Oh my God. So think of the psychological and the physical trauma of a six, two man in a 55 gallon drum with two inches of air to breathe in the heat. In the and heat? Of course, right out in the sun. Oh, God. So yeah, this they, is, I'm, I'm learning a part about military training. This is with the special forces, correct? Uh, and pilots and anyone who can be put behind the enemy line and caught. And that's, that's actually the gentle, that's a gentle version. Okay. So I guess what I'm saying, I'm also wondering in our chronic pain world, and I've thought this for a long time, it seems to me that we, we do know there are ways of increasing your emotional resilience. So I want to get there in a second. So let's say you're emotionally resilient. I've always thought for a long time that teaching people how to tolerate pain more, I mean, literally physically increasing their pain tolerance would be one of the approaches to take. So my question, I don't, it sounds like you did a lot of triage, but did you take some of that approach in your physical therapy training with chronic pain? Did I translate it into how I treat is what you're asking? Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying putting your patients in a 55-gallon barrel. Oh. But okay. I'm, I'm saying, did you use that sort of approach of, hey, let's increase yep. your pain tolerance? Right. Absolutely. But they didn't know I was doing it. 
all right? In the beginning, it's a movement-based system that I created, but it, it's all body weight. There is no equipment and I don't keep put my hands on them. I just get them moving all in a 10-yard to 12-yard basketball court, just move them down and move them back and they change. There's like 26 dynamics or 27 dynamic stretches. You just move, it's just body weight. And in those 27 stretches, there's five different modifications and it's just movement. So I figured out a way to use movement uh, to suppress pain, but you go to sub threshold movement. So there are five modifications to every movement. The oldest person able to do the approach I created is 98. The youngest one is seven mentally. She's 28, but she has a mental capacity of a seven-year-old because pain has nothing to do with your cognitive ability to rationalize it. It has actually, the less you can rationalize it, the better off you're gonna be. It has your ability to just stay below the pain threshold. So I had to find a way to move people sub threshold. So that fight or flight pain, the anxiety, right. I figured out a way to push everyone, depending on whatever level they're at, to sub threshold. So that old idea, no pain, no gain, is 100% wrong. Okay. You should say no muscle soreness, no gain, but that doesn't rhyme. So, you know, so smart guys, you know, they're not gonna say it. No muscle soreness, no gain. Yeah. So we never push through pain, ever. You push to that threshold and then throttle back and work around it. Got it. So that you get out of that fight or flight. Yeah, I've done that way inadvertently for a long time. I've, I've never said that you cannot do, with this, do this with mind over matter because the matter will always win. Your unconscious brain is about a million times stronger than your conscious brain. So it's a mismatch. You can't do that. So there's a word that I've learned from another psychologist friend of mine, Dr. Aria, about the word pendulation. Is that a word in your world also where you, you're always, in other words, no matter what you do, you're always kind to yourself. So you push the tolerance back off, push the tolerance back off. So we, we use the word pendulation. And that's okay. for both mental and physical pain. So it, it's a tricky deal. And I want to talk about this in a second. So I, I want to go back to the whole process that you are teaching people to physically increase their pain tolerance. But I'm assuming that a lot of that's emotionally helping build the capacity to tolerate pain. Because I'll, I'll just say two quick things. One is that fear of pain or catastrophizing, we know that fear is actually inflammatory. And when you're mm -hmm. inflamed, your brain is, is part of the immune system, gets fired up, your nerve conduction doubles, and you really do feel the pain a lot more. Not imagine Correct. your nervous system is fired up. So we do have a process called pain reprocessing therapy, which sounds a lot like what you already are doing, where you assure people that they are safe. They're not going to damage their back with certain motions. There's a major paper published last year called PRT, pain reprocessing therapy, but it's sort of a version of what a lot of us already do. Of a, you know, as a surgeon, I always work people up. I make sure there's nothing being missed, which was a disaster if I miss things. And then I was sure that things were okay. And then it's, it's always a stepwise graded process to get them better. So I go back to the emotional part of this. So I want to say to the audience really clearly, to me many years ago this, most physicians or programs say that, okay, you're in chronic pain, you just don't have much of a pain tolerance, imply that you have sort of a weak character is what the implication is, period. Right. You know that. Right. So what I've learned is that everybody does have a different pain tolerance. You come from an abusive background, your nervous, your nervous system is high alert. So the same impulse comes to a fired up person. They do feel the pain more than the person who's not so fired up. But you have to learn that capacity. You're not a wimp. 
you just come from a background. It's not your fault that you are the way you are. So I was like, let's go back to the emotional part of the pain. It sounds like you addressed both of these really nicely. Is that how did you deal with the emotional aspect of the fear of pain? I took it away before they even got started. I have pictures of x-rays and MRIs of people with some of the worst spines in the world. I have one gentleman, he, uh, he lost three, he's a three-level corpectomy. So his T3, 4, and 5 completely exploded when he hit the ground from a halo jump, which is a high-altitude jump out of an airplane. His buddy flew through his parachute at 3,000 feet, knocked him unconscious, and when he hit the ground, his spine exploded. So he's fused from C3 or C4 all the way down to T10, and then he has a cage in the front holding up the front of his spine where the three vertebrae are completely gone. It's not that he herniated it. They're gone. Could you explain it to the audience a little bit more clearly as far as what those terms means, corpectomy infusions and stuff? Okay. So we have vertebrae in our spine. He lost three vertebrae. Three of the bones in his spine are completely gone and removed. He didn't herniate the disc. He obliterated the disc and the bones. They were removed. He has two rods holding up the back of his spine. And he has a cage, which is a round cylinder, probably about three inches long, holding up the front of his spine and his spinal cord is floating behind it. He'd been like that for 14 years before I got him. And at the end of six weeks, I had him doing burpees, push-ups, running. He can actually run about two minutes and he's riding his Harley. And so he was in chronic pain for 14 years before you saw him? Correct. So this is about, about, about the emotional and physical part, two separate parts. We said, you know, it's bio, psycho, social. So the bio is actually, you just described the injury as, as these exploded vertebrae. Plus Correct. infusion creates scar tissue. And then Correct. the psyche, of course, he's been through lots of trauma. So lots of things are going to be, he's going to be on high alert. Then socially you're trained, well, I got three vertebrae, they're broken. I must be disabled. So I'm just curious, um, Let's talk about the emotional part first and then the physical part second. So you took him from 14 years of being pretty disabled to getting back to pretty darn good function. Oh, yes. He uh, he just did a physical exam with his physician when he was processing out of the military. And his heart is actually healthier now than it was when he came in when he was 20. Because he exercises every day, but he still has pain. See, what we realized is pain, chronic pain is not an indication of ongoing damage or harm. Correct. It's just a hypersensitive central nervous system on alert. Right. Now, once we physically show them what they can do, I showed him how to modify until he was able to do a burpee using a chair. Then he realized that the pain wasn't accurate. Right. It's not that pain wasn't real, just pain wasn't accurate. Accurate. Correct. That's really nicely said. So, okay, so he, so he lost the fear of the pain, so he's able to calm down. And then physically, right. you just started to gently push him, but kept pushing. I but, kept on allowing him to work as hard as he could without sharp or burning pain. So when I tell people, I never want you to push through pain, it's not that I don't want you to push through discomfort or an ache. I just never want you to push through a sharp or burning pain. I tell people, uh, pain is like a tachometer on a car. If you hit the red line on your tachometer, you can blow your engine. The red line for your body is sharp or burning pain. 
not that little ache that we have every day when we get out of bed. So when we're moving, we net, if we hit that red line, we're gonna do the same thing as we're driving. We're just gonna take your foot off the throttle, you back off one inch from that position that's causing pain. And then we keep on driving. Because just like when you're driving in the car, you hit the red line on your engine, you don't just hit the brakes to get out and try and figure out why you hit the red line. You just throttle back, shift gears, which is modifying the exercise and get into a slower lane and work around the pain. We never push through it. We hit it, throttle back, shift gears, modify and work around the pain until your body naturally suppresses pain because you have the ability to do so. So Jeff, I can see we're not going to cover our material today in two podcasts. <laughs> not even get to the opioids today. We'll do that at some point in the near future. But I want to finish this up with just a comment. So I knew the reason I wanted to talk to you because you kept people moving, you helped them feel safe, helped them move forward, and it's surprising what the body can do given a chance. What I'm looking forward to working with you on is that um, we do have some tools that, you know, as you know, I was in chronic pain for 15 years. And I'm not convinced from a neuroplasticity standpoint that even this gentleman here can actually reprogram, reprogram his brain completely around the pain circuits. So I have one guy right now who had 28 surgeries in 20 years. Okay. And he's now been really just flat out pain-free for about eight years. Okay. Never felt better in his life. And so I, it, we have story after story where you can't get rid of pain circuits because they're permanently embedded, just like riding a bicycle. But there's a bunch of ways of stimulating your brain to sort of let go of the anxiety frustration part and then move forward. What I love about what you're doing, you're doing both. And I, I'd be interested to see what we can do together to actually combine some of the stuff, my stuff, with what you're doing. I don't do what you're doing. I mean, that's not in my wheelhouse with the pendulation moving forward and getting people going. So I'm super excited about what you're doing. We haven't even talked about the opioids yet. <laughs> and then that perspective of being 29 years in the military yourself and watching this you know, in real time is really excellent. So, Jeff, a couple of things. Um, how do we um, get access to you or do you do online work? Do you have courses? Are you doing just a private practice? I mean, what, what are you doing? Ultimately, uh, we just started the clinic in January and we're expanding already. So my job is first get this clinic up and running. Then after that, then I'm going to start doing training seminars. I do have a CEU program to train physical therapists how to use this approach, but I haven't had time to push that forward because I have to get this clinic up and running, get it right. financially stable. Then from here, this will be in Jupiter, Florida, will be the headquarters where people and therapists can come to train to learn that what I learned in the military by accident. It wasn't like... Yeah, I mean, I learned my own chronic pain journey by accident also by sort yeah. of surviving it but um so how do we get a, how do we get a hold of you i mean do you have space in oh. your practice do you do any consultations or oh absolutely so i how, do physical how, therapy how do evaluation it's uh the, the w it's the www.thefixpt.com is my okay. website okay the the fixpt.com that's correct okay so and you can call from there and or Jeff at thefix.com, thefixpt.com. Cool. Well, Jeff, thank you. Um, the audience could probably tell the same thing that I do, but um, uh, just with the short conversation I've had, his death experience is remarkable. His way he approaches things is remarkable. And there's 
things that you just, I just spine surgery for 32 years, and you just learn things by repetition. And you just learn what works, what doesn't work. And a lot of it's instinctual. And that's why I'm excited about Jeff moving forward, teaching the physical therapy, because that's what that's what I want you to do. I want you to train. Because, because I honestly think that primary care, both internal medicine, pediatrics, family practice, and physical therapy are the best people to manage chronic pain. Pain specialists don't do it very well because they're too busy doing injections and procedures. But function and everything you're talking about is just dead on for actually solving chronic pain. So just thank you. We'll talk to you a few minutes a little bit more about what you actually do on a given patient. But a really remarkable experience, remarkable insights. I'm very excited about this. Thank you, Dr. Hanscom. It's been great talking. I'd like to thank our guest, Jeff Frankhart, for being on the show today and for sharing his unique and highly effective approach to treating chronic pain. I'm your host, Tom Masters, reminding you to be back next week for another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. And in the meantime, be sure to visit the website at www.backincontrol.com. Thanks for listening today, and join us next week for Back in Control Radio.